What's going on, everybody? This is Full Draw Friday number 12. Today we're going to talk about what to be looking for when you're out there doing your winter scouting. Last week I talked about things you can do to get ready for next season already, and part of that was to get out there and do some scouting. So I figured I'd go into some things to actually look for while you're out there doing that, or shed hunting either way and vice versa. I guess they work both ways, really. If you're shed hunting, you can look for this stuff. If you're scouting, you can look for sheds while you're looking for this stuff as well. So we'll get right into it. One of the biggest, most obvious things that is going to come to mind for everybody and that is really visible this time of year is trails. Now, I think there are some misunderstanding about trails and how they work, uh, especially throughout the year. Generally, your main trails are not going to be traveled by bucks very often, at least mature bucks, until the rut comes and they might cut across those trails and look for does. But as a general rule of thumb, they're not going to be on the most well-used trails most of the time. But what the, you can learn from those trails as far as finding those bucks is you can track them both directions because they're going to be leading to those deer, their late-season food source and their late-season bedding area. And that might be the same as it is throughout the rest of the season too, but we'll get into that as well. But whether you go towards the food or towards the bedding, follow that main trail both ways and you'll you'll know a main trail from <clears throat> one that doesn't get used as often generally you can especially this time of year the leaves are so all the leaves are down and they'll have a pretty good path beat down through the leaves through the brush and all that you'll really be able to see kind of even in thick areas it's almost like tunnels in some places you'll be able to see where those deer are going there'll be little fe little feeder trails that come into that main trail from different directions and intersect and go along with it so you can follow that and find out, again, their food source and their bedding area. And the first part of that I'll talk about is the food source. So why that's important is you can understand what your deer are wanting this time of year. That way, when, next, late, when the late season rolls around next year, you'll know where you need to be. You kind of want to make notes once you get to that food source where that trail comes out at, is it? A shell cornfield, cut bean field, does it have winter weed in it? Is it some kind of other cover crop, whether it be like a turnips, something like that, that a farmer has out? Or is it a food plot that you've made, like a two, three, four acre food plot that's turned into a destination field this time of year? All those things are important because next year, especially if it's on the ag side of it, it might change. So they may not be using the same thing, but let's say it's a winter wheat and the farmer plants that every winter then you'll have a pretty good idea that they're going to be using it again next year. So you can kind of base your strategy next late season off of that. And also, if you have, say, one field on one side of your farm and another one on the other, and they're on an opposite rotation, which you'll see occasionally, maybe next year they're going to use that other field uh, if it's on the other side of that rotation, where this year, say, they're in the shelled corn, next year that's going to be on the other side. You might want to focus on the other side a little more. So... Those are important things to make note of. You can also make note of potential new food plot locations along those trails. A lot of issue with food plots that don't work is they're not where the deer want to be anyway. You can pull deer a little 
a little ways, but they're not going to go, say, all the way on the other side of an 80-acre property just because you put food over there. You might draw some deer in that are close anyway, <clears throat> but if you're trying to draw a deer completely to the opposite side of the property from where they want to be anyway, it's probably not going to work. So one thing we talk about a lot with food plot locations is if you can find somewhere along those main trails that is generally good open canopy, that's a, a potential place for a new food plot if you're needing one, especially if at the end of that trail it is a big ag field. Maybe you can get them stopping in a little half acre, acre, even a quarter acre food plot before they head out to that main field. So you can catch them there, put a stand up over it, and hunt it in the late season even earlier than that and have some success based off of that. And then you're going to pull some bucks up because the does are going to be in there and the bucks are going to be checking that during the rut, especially uh, even if it's on that main trail. <clears throat> and even if not, in that case, depending on what you plant in that food plot, you might get some early season activity on it as well if they're using that trail year-round. And then you'll be able to have a, a shot at maybe a potential shooter early in the season as well using that food plot on their way out to the main food source uh, before it gets dark. So those are big things to mark. Uh, that's that's one of the big things we actually look for when we're doing consultations and stuff, potential food plot locations based off of trails and normal deer activity. We don't want to try to pull them too far because we don't want to be putting a food plot farther than they're willing to go, and then you've just wasted all that time and money <clears throat> on building a new food plot. Excuse me. One thing to keep in mind, too, is when you're looking for on new food plot locations, when you're looking for them, it's really important that you have a good open canopy and decent soil. And I would put the canopy above the soil because it is easier to put fertilizer down in the soil than it is to open up canopy most of the time. And generally, people are more willing to do that than they are to cut trees down in open canopy because that's what you're talking about when you're talking about opening up canopy. Unless it's just so thick with some underbrush, then you can go in there with uh, a brush cutter, brush hog, something like that, even a, a saw and some spray go in there and take care of that. But a lot of times you're talking about trees, fairly mature trees, even if they're not, a lot of guys aren't, don't really like cutting, going in and cutting a bunch of trees down <clears throat> while there are a lot of trees that aren't necessarily beneficial to wildlife, especially deer. And it's not going to hurt anything. That's still the way people look at it. And there is some value in some timber as well. So that plays a role also. So if you can find a place along that trail that already has decent open canopy or even good open canopy, that's going to be a good place to start. Then you can do your soil test and find out if it's worth going and putting the fertilizer down, or if it's even feasible, or if you need to find somewhere else, uh, maybe given a little bit more on the canopy side to get a little more on the soil side. But those are some things to keep in mind as well. It's not just, hey, this looks like the deer are moving through here. I'll throw a food plot between halfway between their bedding and their main food source because that's where I want it to be. If you've got way too many trees in there and you're never going to get any sunlight, the food plot's not going to grow. If the soil sucks, the food plot's not going to grow. So those things definitely want to keep in mind also when doing that. The other side of that is the bedding areas on those trails. So if you follow them back from the food, and really you may not know what direction you're headed, but once you get to the end of it, at if you hit the food source, turn around, go back the other way, you'll find the bedding area potentially. If you find the bedding area, do the opposite and you'll find the food source. But you have to kind of know what you're looking for on the bedding areas. And as far as the late season bedding goes, it's generally going to be closer to food than it would be in the rest of the season, <clears throat> depending on where the good thermal cover is. But does generally are going to bed closer to the food anyway. But then it, 
it kind of exaggerates in the late season, so they don't have to go as far and burn as much energy to get to that food. But what you're going to be looking for on those off those main trails is p- probably the doe bedding. That's what you're going to come across first. And the reason for that is the bucks, we talk about this a lot, the bucks are not going to want to bed between the does and the food because they don't want does walking through their bedding area all day long and stressing them out. So they're going to be back off of the doe bedding area. So it's likely when you follow that main trail, the first bedding area you hit is probably going to be a doe bedding area. And you're going to know that because there's generally going to be more smaller beds in a smaller area. So there's going to be a lot of those smaller beds that, you know, you can you can generally tell are either doe-sized or fawn-sized, and there's going to be several of them not very spaced out in that area. There's generally going to be some kind of decent cover um, for that in the late winter, whether that be cedar trees or something else that stay is still green, has some leaves on it, or just a really thick brushy area, even if the leaves aren't on anymore. Just something to cut down on the wind and give them a little more cover. So they don't have to fight that the cold quite as much. And then that's kind of the same thing for the buck beds. On the other side of that, though, you're going to generally see maybe a couple, two or three bigger beds. And one thing I should mention on that, too, if you don't know what a bed looks like, you can probably Google a picture of it. But generally, it's just a flattened out area, whether it be the leaves are flattened out or the grass or whatever's around the brush. And it's going to be almost like a little circle oval shaped where the deer is just laid down there repeatedly and and beat down all the grass or leaves or whatever's there so that's kind of what you're looking for but on the buck side of that you'll see two or three of those that are bigger in size and you'll usually be able to tell if it's a mature buck Uh, it'll be considerably bigger than the doe beds and it's going to be close again to some kind of thermal cover a lot of times in the late season if you do have a pocket of cedars or even one or two here and there that's where you're going to find those buck beds, and we've talked about it before. That's where you're going to find sheds a lot, too. So that's a good place, uh, just kind of a side note there, if you're out shed hunting. If you've got some cedar trees spaced out throughout your property, I'd probably go check around those first. A lot of times we see late-season buck beds around those because it's just good thermal cover for them to get on either side of that tree um, away from the wind. Now, you could also look for buck beds that have not been used recently, but maybe had been used in October and November and even part of December. And those, you're generally probably not going to see that actual bedded down or laid down grass or leaves because all the other leaves have fallen since then and kind of covered that up. You might still see some of it, but it's not as likely. But you are generally going to see those in higher stem count areas with some, it's going to be younger timber or underbrush or, again, even the cedars and the pine trees and stuff like that. But a lot of times it's going to be high stem count, and there's going to be several rubs around, especially from mature bucks, because mature bucks make, like, hundreds of rubs per year. So if you're getting into an area where you're seeing a lot of rubs in a very condensed area, get to looking around a little more. You might find a good spot that looks like a buck should have been laying there. He probably was. A lot of times those bucks get up in the middle of the day or whatever and they get antsy and they don't go very far, but they make a lot of rubs right in that certain area and you'll kind of see them get farther apart as they go out. So if you're even on a rub line and you follow it back and you start seeing more and more closer together in a smaller, more condensed area, then you're probably getting closer where at least that buck was bedding. Now he might not still be bedding there because he may have changed here for the late season, But that's something you can mark for next October, November as a potential buck bedding area 
or either that deer or another deer maybe back there next year for you to target. So those are some good things to look for as well. Now on to a little bit different, um, a little bit away from the trails. Um, and you're still going to kind of find these on trails a lot of times, but it's the community scrapes, and guys have different names for them. We call them, I generally refer to them as community scrapes. And that's going to be those bigger scrapes that are probably at an intersection of trails, not necessarily just randomly on a main trail, although sometimes you will find that depending on what your timber looks like and the availability of areas to make those scrapes. But when I'm talking about community scrapes, again, it's those those bigger scrapes that are still going to be probably cleaned out, or at least you're going to be able to tell that that lichen branch has been worked recently, and it's going to be somewhat cleaned out. By now, all those random one-off scrapes that the bucks were making because their testosterone levels were high back in you know the pre-rut phase and the rut phase, they're going to be covered back up with leaves. All the leaves have fallen since then. You're not going to see them on the field edges unless the wind's blowing them away and you can just see where the uh, the deer hoofs were making scratches in the dirt or something like that. But a lot of those have disappeared. If you find one that still looks active, that's something you're definitely going to want to mark and potentially hunt over next year or put a camera on for sure. Um, they do have use a fair amount at night, but you're going to see a lot of the bucks that are on your property on that particular scrape because that's where they're communicating with those. Uh, there is some a lot of communication that takes place at those, and a lot of it has to do with knowing what deer are in the area. So mark that if you find those because they're probably used all year round, and you can put a camera on that and next year, next October, and get a pretty good inventory of what bucks are moving in and moved out uh, for your fall that are using your property as their fall range and you can also potentially hunt over it and have some success there if you're getting some daylight pictures so that's a big one to look for as well if you're seeing a scrape right now it's a good sign that's probably a community scrape that's being used all year so keep that in mind another big thing and this is the last one i'll talk about is terrain features like saddles and pinch points that you can really see this time of year that maybe you couldn't see back in october november or even december before all the leaves were off. And again, this is why we like doing our consultations before spring green up and after everything's fallen off in the winter because you can see certain things that you can't when all the leaves are on. If you're looking across a fairly flat property that has some gentle rolling, uh, gentle roll to it, you're not really going to see that, say, in August, September, October, where you're going to in January, February, like right now, and even the early part of March, when there's no leaves on, you can look across and see the side of a hill that maybe you didn't really realize was there before. And then you can kind of go from there and find potentially a saddle where those deer might be crossing. And that's just where two higher points come together and kind of a low point where those deer are going to be using that top third or bottom third of those, those hills. And then they're going to come up and go over the lowest point. That's kind of what a saddle is. If you guys aren't familiar with that and then pinch points the same way, you can kind of tell a little more where the timber pinches down. If you can see farther like you can right now, so if there, whether it's a pinch point in the timber or even, again, in the terrain, if two hills are kind of coming together down in a bottom, that might be a potential pinch point as well. And those are going to be good places to hunt also, especially during the rut. You can mark those and for potential stand locations for next November, even late October. So those are some things to look for as well. Terrain features are, are pretty easy to see this time of year where you're not going to have as much success when all the leaves are still on and you can't see 30 yards in front of you. So all those things are what we look for when we're out doing our winter scouting. There are things I would suggest you guys look for. Of course, there's more that I'm, I'm missing and I didn't cover. 
But those are just some big ones, and you can learn a lot just based on those, especially if you're just getting started with the winter scouting. And then those are all things that are generally easy to find while you're shed hunting as well. So you don't have to, you know, be as target focused on just scouting or just shed hunting. You can do both and enjoy your time in the woods and find all those things. If When you do find them, I suggest market them. We really like the Onyx. I really like Onyx uh, for that kind of stuff. As far as marking anything that I talked about, trails, scrapes, pinch points, all that kind of good stuff, food sources, potential plot locations, and you can measure everything out and get distances and all that. I really like that app for that. There's others out there that are just as good. I'm sure find one you like. I would highly recommend using one. That way you don't forget or you don't lose a note that you took in your phone or even on a piece of paper and you lose it or get gets thrown away. Get one of those apps that has a map where you can mark things on it and do that while you're out there. That's what I do, and it's really been beneficial for me. So that's all I've got for Full Draw Friday this week. If you guys want to support us, Go check out RidgeHunterOutdoors.com. Use discount code FULLDRAW. That's all caps, no space, and you get 10% off of anything on the website. You can also go to Apple Podcasts if you're listening to this there. If you're not, go over there. Go down to the bottom, leave us a review. That really helps us out, and it can help you out too because we are still doing that giveaway on the Wild Game Innovations Spark 2.0 trail camera. We'll get to 25 reviews. Once we hit 25, we'll pick a name out of those, and that'll be the winner for that trail camera package. So get over there and do that. It takes like two minutes to do it, if that. You, If you're listening to us on Spotify, make sure you follow us. That way you know when everything comes out. Also, same thing on YouTube. Subscribe and then hit the notification bell. Also, any likes and comments on the videos, that helps us out in the YouTube algorithm and puts us out there so more people can hopefully get a hold of this information and use it for have some success next season. So thanks, guys, for listening this week. We will have another one out next week. We'll catch you then.